of my knowledge, there is not a trust pilot or a trip advisor for churches. If you go online, there's nowhere that I've been able to find where you get reviews of people's sermons, people like me standing up and speaking from God's Word. I've no doubt that on a Sunday in Connor, there are plenty of reviews of my sermon on drives home and around dinner tables afterwards. That's okay, as long as it doesn't start appearing online in printed form. But we have our ideas about what we like in a sermon. I remember in a church that I was a minister in, I invited a, a man to come and preach while I was on holiday. And this man was recommended to me by a colleague, so I had no idea if he was a good preacher or not. That's a dangerous thing, and I've learned from that down through the years. Anyway, this guy came and preached, and when I got home from holiday, I was curious to know what he'd been like. I asked my session clerk, I asked a couple of my elders, they didn't say that much, and I thought, that's not a good sign. But later that week, up in the town, I met a man who, who went to the church, and he loved this guy. And this was his review. This is what he said about the sermon. He said, I loved his preaching. He really put the boot in. Now, do you reckon that's the kind of sermon that you would want to hear every week when you come to church? A sermon where someone really puts the boot in. I reckon that for most of us, the sermon that we would actually want to hear is one that brings us some kind of encouragement, one that sends us home feeling encouraged, not like we've been on the receiving end of a kicking. And how we need encouragement at this time. Think about what the, the last few years have been like. We have come through COVID and all of the disruption that it caused to everybody's life. We're living through a cost of living crisis, in our own part of the world, there is political paralysis and instability and, and uncertainty, and we don't like not knowing what's going to happen next. And even beyond all of that bigger picture stuff, then there are the everyday struggles that people like us experience. Problems with our health, financial problems, problems at work, worries about loved ones, whether that be an aging parent or a child who isn't acting their age, whatever it might be, we have our fair share of worries. And when we come to somewhere like church, we hope that what we hear will give us some kind of encouragement. Well, today the good news is that God has given us good news because that's what the gospel is all about. In fact, that's what the word gospel means it means good news. And when two of the followers of Jesus, Paul and Barnabas, went into a synagogue in a town called Pisidian Antioch, they received a golden opportunity. Listen to what the leaders of that synagogue said to them. They said, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. If you've got something that's encouraging to say, bring it on. We want to hear it. And Paul took his opportunity. That day, Paul brought to these people 
the most encouraging message he could, the best news of all, the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Over this past month, we have returned again to the book of Acts. And Acts tells the story of the church, of the first believers of Christ. The thing about Acts is that it is an exciting story. It tells a story of an exciting church. And maybe straight away you think to yourself, well, to be honest, Philip, I never associate the word exciting with church. Maybe you don't go to church that often. Maybe it's been a while since you've been along at church. And when you think about church, you don't think about a place that is exciting or about a place where the things that are happening are exciting. But the thing about this church in Acts is that these were people who really loved Jesus. They were devoted to Him, and they spent their time seeking to please God and tell others the good news about Jesus. And they were a church that was fueled by the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus had promised. And the greatest thing of all about this story is that it tells us what Jesus does in His church. This is really the story of the continuing work of Jesus in His church. And for us as a church today, that's so encouraging to hear that Jesus is still alive and active in His church because we really need Him and we need His help. And so, as we turn today to Acts chapter 13, we're reading the story of how the gospel started to spread out further and further. We're reading the story of new churches being born as people heard the good news of Jesus and put their trust in Him. So, that Paul and Barnabas last week were in Cyprus on that island preaching the gospel. Today, they're in a town called Pisidian Antioch, and straight away they go to the synagogue, the place where they can meet with other Jews. They go there because they know that the gospel was first of all for Jewish people. And they go there because they know that they're likely to get a good hearing, that when they go to that place where people take God seriously, they may want to hear their message. Remember that Paul himself was a Jew. More than that, he was a teacher of the law. He was a rabbi, and he probably dressed like a rabbi. So, when he turned up at church, everybody would have looked at him in the synagogue, and they would have said, now, there's a guy who's got a message to bring to us. So, that the invitation came. Look at that invitation again. If you turn your, in your Bibles to Acts 13 and verse 15, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. These people wanted and needed to be encouraged. They didn't want to leave their place of worship feeling deflated and let down. And they were about to hear the best news of all, the gospel, the good news of what God has done through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take just a few snippets of what Paul tells them that day in his sermon and what he tells them about the Lord. And my prayer today 
is that in hearing this, we will be encouraged. That in hearing this, those who have already put their trust in Jesus will have fresh confidence in the Lord. And those who have not yet put your trust in Jesus will be changed. That the Holy Spirit will speak to you today so that you will turn to Jesus and find true life in Him. And this is what Paul tells them about God. Here is his encouraging message. It begins by reminding them of God's care. And I want you to see the way in which Paul begins his address, how he addresses these people in verse 16. He says, men of Israel. So, remember that Paul is speaking to Jewish people, and he's reminding them of their background. He's reminding them of their story, how they had been a nation, the Israelites, who had been chosen by God and blessed by Him in so many ways, and how they were chosen by Him to show God to the rest of the world. And remember today that it is the church that has that calling, that that is our job, those of us who love and believe in Jesus. And Paul is giving to them the story so far. You know the way when you sit down at home and you're watching your way through a series or a season of a TV program, and you're always looking, or at least I'm always looking to skip on ahead because it always starts with that recap, the story so far. And Paul's really telling these people what they should already know because they read from the Scriptures. They read from what we describe as the Old Testament. He's saying, remember the story so far. And this is the story. It's a story of how God chose the Israelites as His people. Verse 17. It's a story of how He prospered them. Also, verse 17, that He brought Joseph to the land of Egypt. And when Joseph first arrived, he was a nobody. He came there as a slave. He ended up as a prisoner. But then he eventually became a prince in that nation. And when the rest of his family went to join him there, they prospered and they were greatly blessed by the Lord. It's a story of how the Lord put up with wayward people. Because in the years that followed, as they were wandering about the desert, they also drifted away from the Lord. They failed to obey Him and to love Him and live for Him alone. And yet God put up with their wayward ways and still stuck by them. And it's a story of how God provided for them. When they needed leadership, He gave them judges, and then He gave them kings. He gave them the best king of all, King David, a man after God's own heart. So, that was their story. But now, I want you to think for a moment about our story, about your story today, and about what the Lord has done for you. And when you think about it, there is so much evidence for His care. Because for those of us here today who are believers in Christ, it's not the case that we chose Him. The Lord chose you, and He has prospered all of us here. Now, we don't preach any kind of 
prosperity gospel here in this church. That's not what the Bible is about. It's not a case of turn to the Lord and then you get every car and home that you dreamed of. That's not what the gospel is all about. But we recognize how God meets our needs in all kinds of ways. And more than that, we know that God has put up with us, that He has every right to judge and punish our sinful rebellion, but He is so patient. He gives you opportunity after opportunity to respond to the good news about Him. And please don't confuse that patience of God with indifference to sin. It's not that He doesn't care about your sin. It is that He is giving all of us an opportunity to turn away from sin and to come to Him. As Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, puts it in the Bible, in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, he says, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Today, do you recognize and are you able to appreciate God's care in your life? Because recognizing that is such a great source of encouragement, and ultimately it will lead to trusting and loving God. But that's not the whole of this encouraging message. Paul also reminded these people of God's rescue. He talks about how God delivered them from slavery and brought them to the promised land. Look at just a, a snapshot of what he says in verses 17 and 19. He tells them that with mighty power, God led His people out of Egypt. And then in verse 19, He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to His people as their inheritance. And here in church, we have looked at that story before. It's a story that reminds us that God loves to save His people. That is maybe the biggest message of the whole of the Old Testament, that God really loves to save His people. So, you think about some of the great rescue stories in the recent past. Remember, remember the, the Chilean miners stuck underground for days and days and then that football team, the boys in Thailand, stuck in a cave that had flooded. And what's the, the common link in those two stories? It's the lengths that people went to in order to rescue them. And what Paul reminds us of in this sermon is that the Lord goes to such great lengths to rescue, to save His people. Jesus talked about that as well. Remember in Luke's gospel, in Luke 15, Jesus tells those stories about things that are lost, and He begins with the parable or the story of the lost sheep. And He talks about the lengths that the farmer goes to to find his sheep again. And farmers here today will know the lengths that you will go to in order to save an animal. And Jesus 
concludes in Luke 15 and verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And these words of Jesus bring us right back to what we read here in Acts 13 and to the ultimate encouragement that Paul gives. He tells those who were gathered there in that synagogue, and he tells us today the best news of all, the news of what God has done in giving us His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a turning point in the sermon. In fact, it's a turning point in the way in which people listen to and respond to this sermon. Even though it's a message of great encouragement, even though Paul is telling them good news, the attitude to what Paul is saying changes. So, if you look on down in verse 45 of Acts 13, we see a whole week later the reaction that there is to what Paul is saying. We're told that when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, and they talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Now, why was there that reaction? Well, it's because while Paul wanted to bring the people a message of encouragement, he was also going to tell them the truth about Jesus and what they had done to him. He would tell them not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. And I've got to do the same. And so, Paul finishes by talking about God's Son, the good news of Jesus. And it's good news that is summed up in what he says in verse 23. He tells them, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as He promised. And that's the encouragement that these people really needed. That's the encouragement that we need today, that the Lord gave us the rescuer that we so badly need. And that rescue is needed because of the reality of sin, its presence in our life, and the penalty that it brings to us, or it cuts us off from God so that we are lost from Him. But here's the good news about Jesus that Paul shares that day. He tells us that Jesus is qualified to be our Savior, because in order to pay the price for our sin, in order to take the punishment that we deserve, Jesus had to be innocent of sin. And in verse 28, Paul says, He was innocent. He did not deserve to die. And he tells us about Jesus and how He conquered death and defeated its power, that for Jesus, death was not the end of the story. It didn't have a hold over him, so that the thing that all of us fear the most was beaten by Jesus. And how Paul explains this is by contrasting the Lord Jesus with the great King David. He says that while David was a great king, he still died and his body decayed. But then he says in verse 37 of Jesus, but the, the one whom God raised from the dead 
did not see decay. And the good news about Jesus continues, that He does what we can't do for ourselves, that only Jesus can deal with sin and set us free from sin and its penalty. Look at what Paul says in verses 38 and 39. He said, therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, that through Him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. And what Paul is saying is this, He's saying, you try and please God and get on the right side of God by obeying His law and doing everything that it requires. But if you do that, you will never succeed. We'll always get it wrong. Instead, we need to trust in the one who always got it right, the only one who can pay the price, Jesus. I hope that you see today that this is really good news, that this is a message of great encouragement. And yet, there were people in Paul's day who had no time for what he was saying. And there are those today who have no time for the gospel. In fact, the Bible talks about the gospel being an offense to them. How can good news be offensive? Well, because they would prefer to do for themselves what only Jesus can do. They don't like to be told that they have a problem that they can't solve themselves. That's why Paul ends with a warning there in verses 40 and 41, taking words from the Old Testament. And he finishes by saying, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As we finish today, please do not take offense at the gospel, the good news of what God has done through His Son, Jesus, so that you end up rejecting it. And don't scoff at it and think that it's too good to be true, that it's some kind of fairy tale that you have no time for. But today, as you go from this place, take encouragement from it, accept it, and trust in the one that it points us to, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.